We've been in a series called Less is More, and really what this series has been, it's been coming from the text of John chapter 3 and verse 30, and really what that is is John the Baptist is speaking about Jesus, and he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. This thought process of less of me and more of him, and we believe that God desires to be a God that wants to add to our lives. He wants to add, I believe, daily to our lives. We see that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. We see that God's a God that wants to bring the increase, but first we must decrease. And so we get this thought of less of me and more of him, because if I go less of me, I get more. So less is more. And so we've been talking about this for the last few weeks and a few months, and I just believe it's been an incredible series. If you have missed some or have not heard any of them, you're welcome to go online and check them out. But I believe that I want to speak to you today about a topic I believe is relevant for all, and that is this, less blank and more Jesus. Less blank and more Jesus. Now you might, what does blank mean? Insert name here. Less Jordan, more Jesus. Insert your name there. If your name's Karen, less Karen, more Jesus. Come on, somebody. We know Karens need Jesus. Come on. That's a joke. If your name's Karen, I'm just joking. I need Jesus just as much as you do. You know what I'm saying? But, but no, whatever your name is, less of your name, less of you, and more Jesus. And Jesus came and lived on this earth and died and rose again so that we could have the resurrection life of God in us and walking with us. And so I want to talk to you about that today. The text of our scripture today comes when Jesus had rose again and he was visiting his disciples. He had visited a few different times already and he goes and the disciples are fishing. The disciples, the Bible says, are fish, has fished all night long. And the Bible says that they, Jesus sees them from the shore and he says, have you caught anything? They say, no. And he says, okay, throw your nets to the other side. And he, they throw their nets to the other side. And the Bible says that they get this massive amount of fish in one cast. And then the, the Bible says that John sees them, him and says, that's Jesus. Peter gets all excited and he says he jumps out of the boat and swims to shore because he was so hyped that it was Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is there waiting for them when they arrive on shore. And that's where we pick up in John chapter 21, starting in verse 10. It says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask who, who you are. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said, feed my sheep. In this text, very quickly, I want to show you a few things that I believe that Jesus came and he shows us that he desires uh, to be a part of our lives and he rose. And I believe it's vital for us as we live out this concept of less of us and more of him. How do we do that? I believe this shows us this scripture very quickly. Uh, In uh, John chapter 21, verse 9, it says, When they landed, they saw a fire, burning coals, there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not 
not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. Many of you know this text where just scriptures before, just time, a few times before this, few few days before this, Peter is denying Jesus. He's denying Jesus three times. He denies that he knows Jesus. He denies that he knows who Jesus is. He denies that he ever was affiliated with Jesus. He's betraying or denying Jesus. Many of us know this as Jesus is, is leading his, his life, leading up to the cross. Peter denies him three times. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus is talking to Peter here, Jesus doesn't say, Peter, I can't believe you denied me. Jesus doesn't say, oh, Peter, are you kidding me? All the conversations we had, we walked together for three years. I showed you my life. I showed you how to live. I can't believe it. Peter, really? 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 Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't do this? Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't even bring it up? In fact, Jesus instead is just, just having conversation and relationship with him. What does this show us? It shows us that this concept of, that Jesus, Jesus came to break religion and less religion and more relationship. Jesus wasn't concerned about what Peter had done. He wanted to build relationship with him. He sits with him. He begins to eat. and He begins to talk about, do you love me? He's asking him. He says, he says nothing about what he had done in the past. Why? Because Jesus is showing us a picture that he desires to build relationship with us. See, religion says this all throughout the scripture when Jesus came on this earth and he was living. All throughout the scripture, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to create and tell him all these things that he should and should not do in order to be like God or to be godly or to get to God. The religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, had over 600 rules based around the law. Things that you could do, things that you couldn't do. Things that you had to do, things that you, could, that you shouldn't do. All these rules that he had that try to get them to say this. You do these things and then you have access to God. You have access to forgiveness. You do all these things and then you're saved and then you're good with God. You're in right relationship. That's religion. See, here's what Jesus did. Jesus came, the Bible says, and all throughout the scripture, he's, the, he's, he's, he's speaking against religion and against religious leaders. Why? Because he didn't want people to think you have to do a certain amount of things to belong. What he wanted you to do is you belong where you are and who you are. He wanted you to know that he loves you and he loves me. He loves us because he's a God of relationship, not a God of rules. See, oftentimes as Christians, what we do is we set up all these rules and these boundaries of things we can do and can't do in order to make the Christian fit lifestyle. And that's great. Yes, we should live according to God's purpose. But that's not God's target. God's target was, I want to send my son so that you can be in relationship with me. Because through relationship, then our lifestyle begins to change. See, here's what religious leaders did. Religious leaders said, you have to behave before you can belong. Jesus says, I want you to belong long before you ever need to behave. See, Jesus was hanging with sinners all throughout the scripture. And, and, and Pharisees and Sadducees are like, oh, I can't believe you. Did you see who was talking to you? Oh, you went to whose house? Oh, I can't. Oh, 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 oh. And here's what it was. It was because their thought process was religious and that was this. You have to first behave long before you can ever be right with God. And God says, no, no, no. Well, you don't make yourself right Here's what happens. Jesus came and now he makes us righteous. 
You know, the Bible says that sin, uh, 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 the Bible says, excuse me, the Bible says that all have fallen short, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person on this planet that's ever lived, that ever will live, we've all fallen short, except for Jesus, have all fallen short and we've all sinned and, 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 and fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us. You know, the word sin, the word sin does not mean mistake. You know, the, the word sin does not mean fault. The word sin does not even mean disobedience. You know what the word sin means? The word sin means to miss the mark. So here's what Jesus did. See, Jesus came to change the target. See, religion says, and religious leaders, what they would say is you have to do all these things to hit the target in order to belong with God. And so what Jesus said, no, 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 I don't want to have to do all that. What I want you to do is I want you to make me the target. I want you to make my relationship with you the target. And then from there, God begins to work in us and through us. A few months ago, I got the privilege of uh, going quail hunting quail hunting. I don't know if any of you have been, ever, ever been quail hunting, but I got for the first time I went quail hunting. Okay. Now I, I, I'm decent as far as shooting when the target's still. Okay. Like if the target's still like line up your targets, like I got it. Okay. Now, if you don't like guns, I'm sorry. Okay. The Bible says you still have to love me. Okay. So forgive me, but you still got to love me. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So here's, here's, here's what was interesting is, you know, when you're, when you're quail hunting, these, I just want you to know, if you've never done it, these little birds, they're some fast little suckers, okay? Like, quails aren't just like, oh, let me sit here and you look at me and then shoot. Quails are like, everywhere, they're everywhere. So no kidding, no kidding, like, I'm a decent shot when the thing's still, but here's what would happen. I'd, 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 we'd, the, I'd get ready, the, the guy would say, okay, the dogs are coming, the quails are right there, the dog's going to pounce, and he would even say, no kidding, he would say, I want you to aim right there. He would tell me where to aim. I'm like, all right, I'm about to show this boy real quick what's up. And so here's what happens. I'm aimed. I'm not even looking where the dogs and the birds are. And literally, the dogs pounce. He says, go. And all these birds, everywhere. So here I am. I'm like, I couldn't hit the thing if I tried. They were everywhere. You know, as, we, as, we, as, as funny or silly as this story is, you know, a lot of times that's how Christianity, we make Christianity. We make Christianity where it's all these talk. Oh, I can't gossip and I can't lust and I can't do these bad things and I can't. I gotta make sure I can stay away from those people. I gotta make sure. And we got all these targets. And here's what happens: because that sin is the target, we miss the mark. See, Jesus came to change the target, not to look to sin, but to look to Him. And when we make Him the target, our relationship with Him grows, and He defeats the sin in us. Less religion and more relationship. Jesus knew this, and so he said, the man and woman will always and constantly miss the mark. i got to come and change the mark. They will constantly miss the target. We will constantly be like me quail hunting. Just and then here's what happens. You get frustrated because you're not walking out and living the way you think you should live. Why? Because your target is wrong. The target is not sin and don't sin. The target is Jesus building relationship with him and then he comes and he defeats the sin in us less religion and more relationship it's so important that we learn this because this is why jesus came he's showing peter this he's not going to bring up all the things that he did no he just wants to sit with him he said come and eat with me he cooks fish and he's showing us the concept of god's heart of just saying i want to be in relationship with you wherever you are whatever your life may look like i want to encourage you i want you to know you belong in god's family 
You may feel far from God. You may feel like you're so far from God. You've done, made so many mistakes. You're not good enough. Well, I know this. Religion says I have to get better before I can get with God. But God says get with me and he'll make you better. This is the God we serve. Less religion, more relationship. John chapter 21 and verse 12, it says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him who you are. They knew it was the Lord. The disciples are sitting with him. And none of them ask, are you Jesus? They knew it was Jesus. Now, some theologians will look at this and say, well, we, we, they can say, oh, well, the resurrection, we don't know if the resurrection really happened. Uh, uh, and they say, well, because, well, they never even asked Jesus if it was Jesus. I don't know about you, but like when I'm hanging out with my wife, I'm, I'm at dinner, I'm not like, hey, are you Ashley? <laughs> like, could you imagine with me for those that are married in the room or those that are dating someone? Like you go out and you're at a nice restaurant, you're hanging out and you're like, hey, babe, are you really my wife? Like, are you, are you, are you, you? They would look at you like you've been doing something you ain't supposed to be doing on the side. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is what they're saying. They're not saying that they, they didn't question it. They're saying they knew who he was because they had relationship with him. And here's what happens. They knew they had faith. And this is what brings me to my next thought. We're talking about less of us and more of him. It's, it's, we need to have less feelings and more faith. Less feelings and more faith. Many of you know the story of Thomas, but I want to read it to you in, in John chapter 20. In, in verse, I think it starts in 24. Is it 24, John? 24, yes. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wounds in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and the time, this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained, exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. Thomas hears from his friends, Jesus is alive. We met with him, we saw him. And Thomas is like, that's not true. I, can't, I gotta see it for myself. I won't believe it unless I see it for myself. And Jesus comes and shows himself to Thomas. And he says, blessed are you who have seen, but he said, but even more so, blessed are those who have not seen. See, here's what he's saying. See, Thomas walked with Jesus. And Jesus, multiple times throughout the gospels, you can read it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, multiple times throughout the gospel, Jesus foretell about the crucifixion he foretold, he foretold about his crucifixion and about the resurrection he would he, he prophesied or told them that he's going to be he's going to die and he's going to rise again well here's what happens when thomas hears that he rose again he still didn't believe what does this show us it shows us that he he was so caught up in his feelings and what was going on around him that he could not remember and believe what jesus had already said Jesus told him he was going to rise, he was going to rise again. So it's immediately when Thomas heard this, what he should have done is celebrated. He should have said yes. Why? Because he doesn't see through the eyes of reality. He's seeing through the eyes of faith. And he says, okay, I know Jesus said it, so I know it's come to pass. But instead, he had to see it for himself through the eyes of reality. And again, as Christians, we have to understand God is looking for us to say, okay, I don't want to get so caught up in my feelings that I have to see something the way I think it should be seen in order to believe. I want to believe and let my belief and my belief in him, my trust in him, dictate the way my feelings are going, not the way my feelings are dictating what I believe. Does that make sense? 
Very quickly, for those that are young people in the room, it says that Thomas, it says he did not believe it because he wasn't with them. Oftentimes, for those that are young people in the room, very quickly, oftentimes the people you hang around will determine what you believe. Who are you hanging around? He wasn't with them. He should have been with them. Why wasn't he with them? I don't know. But he should have been there because if he would have been there, he would have automatically first seen. So be careful who you hang around. That's a, that's a, I didn't say this in other services. Be careful who you hang around because I know this. I know this. If you're not careful, what you, who you hang around is what you're going to believe. But here's what it is. It's, 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 it's less faith. I mean, it's, I'm sorry. It's less feelings. It's more faith. It's saying, okay, I know this. Because Jesus is alive, I can trust him. That's what faith is. Faith is, uh, I know that he's rose, risen again, and because he's risen again, I can trust what he says. What is God speaking to you through his word? I know this. You can trust it will come to pass in your life. Why? Because he's alive. Because he's alive, we can trust that he's going to provide for us. Because he's alive, we can trust that he's going to take care of us. Because he's alive, we can trust that he's going to heal us. Because he's alive, we can trust that he's going to bring the peace that we need in our lives. Because he's alive, we can trust that he's going to free us. Because he's alive, we can trust him. This is the power of the resurrection. It's not just he lives. It's also he lives because he lives. We can now turn to him and trust what he says for our lives. Because he lives. We understand he's defeated death, hell, and the grave because he lives. If he would not have risen again, he would not have defeated death, hell, and the grave. That means we would not have been able to trust him. But because he lives, he rose again. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and anything in between and the enemy. And so now we know we can trust him. Why? Because he already defeated the enemy in our lives. You know, this week... There's been this big uproar. Many of you probably know, you may not, but there's been this big uproar about this shoe that's come out. There's been a shoe that's come out, and the shoe's called, some of you probably know, but the shoe's called the Satan shoe. It's called a, it's a Satan shoe, and there's 666 of them, and it's this shoe based on, I don't know, whatever. And so they, they created this shoe called the Satan shoe. Now, when I, I've seen all kinds of people posting about it, talking about it. I've seen, I've seen pastors, and I've seen leaders, and I've seen political parties, and I've seen, uh, I've seen husbands and wives and young people. I've seen all these different people posting this uproar about this, these what we call Satan shoes, or what they call Satan shoes. And I, I'm going to say this. I, I, you know, when I first saw it, I kind of got caught up in the uproar a little bit. I was like, oh. So we start to just talk to people. Oh, can you believe that? I kind of got caught up in that for a minute, but then God kind of spoke to my heart. And you know, and when he spoke to my heart, then I kind of laughed. And you're like, oh, you laughed? You're a terrible pastor. I'm sorry, I kind of laughed. The reason why I laughed is because of this. One, as Christians, it's always interesting how we get upset when sinners sin. Can you believe they gossiped? Can you believe they're cheating on their spouse? Yeah, sin or sin. Can you believe they made a shoe called the Satan shoe? Yeah, sin or sin. Like, how do you get your voice that high? I don't know. It just happens sometimes. Here's what I know. 
as Christians, we should not be shocked when the world sins. They don't know God. So why are we responding as if they do? We should be responding in love. <gasps> Even if they make a Satan shoe? Yeah. Why? The Bible says to love your enemies. This is Jesus speaking. He says love your enemies. He doesn't say love your enemies if they make Jesus shoes. He says love your enemies. That's the first thing I laughed about. Then the second thing I laughed about is it's so funny. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? That it's a Satan shoe. Isn't it? I love everybody's. They're like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that it's not a Satan shirt? Isn't it interesting that it's not a Satan car? Isn't it interesting that it's not a Satan house? Isn't it interesting that it's not a Satan phone? Isn't it interesting that it's not Satan pants? Isn't it interesting it's not Satan haircut? Isn't it interesting it's not Satan hat? I could go on forever. Isn't it interesting that it's, a, it's Satan shoes? Now, God reminded me of the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. If you want to pull it up real quick, it says, Now he is far above, this is Jesus they're talking about. Now he is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. He, he says he placed everything under his feet. Isn't it interesting that the Satan shoe is a shoe? You put your shoes under your feet. So isn't it crazy that even when Satan tries to be glorified, when the world tries to glorify Satan, Jesus still wins. Isn't it crazy? The world's like, yeah, 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 Satan shoes, Satan shoes. And Jesus is like, yeah, under my feet, under my feet, <laughs> under, under, under my feet. Isn't it interesting that he wins? I told, I told the last service, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to purchase him because I don't want to support it. But I'd buy him and just walk around the grocery store like, yeah, he's under my feet. Yeah. Like, I'd be, I'd be walking around pace and saying, yeah, all I'm doing is showing the enemy. You already lost. So even when the world tries to glorify the things of the enemy, we know Christ still won. Why? Because he's alive. And so we have to be a people, hear me, we have to be a people that say, we're not going to walk with the eyes of our natural world and say, okay, the world's doing this and they're doing this and we get so caught up in what the world's doing that we're looking through the natural eyes. No, we need to look through the lens of faith and say, I want to see it the way God sees it and that is this, he's already won. He has the victory over this sickness. He has the victory over this illness. He has the victory over this, 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 this lust. He has the, whatever it is, he has the victory. Why? Because he's alive. We have to be a people that say, less of us, more of him. Less feelings, less getting caught up in seeing things through my feelings like Thomas did, but more faith that says, God, we want to see it through the lens of faith. Less of us, more of you. As we close today very quickly in John chapter 21, verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Isn't it interesting that Jesus here 
knows that Peter denied him three times. Three different times, Peter says, I'm denying Christ. He specifically tells someone he doesn't know him, he doesn't want anything to do with him. He specifically denies him three times. Isn't it interesting that Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And in three times, he answers with, feed my sheep. What does this show us? It shows us that when Christ came, he came to say, I want, le I want less religion and I want more relationship. I want less feelings and I want more faith. But also I've come because I want, I want you to live a life of less about your past and more about your purpose. See, Jesus, he come, we all know this, that he died and he rose again to defeat sin in our lives. He took the sin on. He took our sin. He carried it. Now he paid the price. Now we don't have to. Now we just can look to him and he can forgive us and he can remove that sin. We know Jesus erases the sin. But isn't it interesting? He, just, he didn't just tell Peter, okay, you're saved. Go on. He doesn't say, do you love me? And do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And then he says, okay, you're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. He doesn't say that. Here's what's interesting. He says, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Three times, he doesn't say anything other than feed my sheep. What is he showing us? He's showing us that he wants his past to be replaced with a purpose. See, every single person in this room, everybody watching online, we all have a purpose. Christ came to give us purpose. And here's what I know. Purpose is not a position. Purpose is not what we do for a living. That's a position. Purpose is not being a spouse. Purpose is not being a parent. Purpose is not being a child. That's a position that God has given you. That is not a purpose. Here's what purpose is. Purpose is a person. And that person is Jesus. Here's what Jesus is doing with Peter. It's phenomenal to me. Jesus is showing us what to do by just hanging out. He's hanging out with Peter, building relationship. He's showing us this. The first portion of our purpose is to be in relationship with Christ, to know Christ. Then Jesus says, okay, you know me. And he asks, do you love me? He says, yes. He says, okay, you're in relationship with me. Then he says, I want you to feed my sheep. He says this, I want you to know Christ. But then not only know Christ, I want you to be like Christ. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to love my sheep. He's showing us the picture of knowing Christ, but then the purpose is knowing Christ, but then also living like Christ. This is the heart that God has for all of us, and this is what that looks like. This is what that looks like. When we say know Christ, it's to be in relationship with him. It's to spend time with him. It's to read. It's to study. It's to begin to know him, not just know about him. See, oftentimes as Christians, as people, we can know a lot about God when God wants us to know him. I can know a lot about, you can know a lot about my wife, but not know my wife. I, I want this. I want to know my wife. Why? Because I want to be in relationship with her. Same thing with you and God, me and God. I don't want to just know or hear about God. What I want to do is I want to know Christ. I want to be in relationship with him. And here's the cool thing. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting everlasting life. See, he wants us to know him on this earth. But he also came and died and rose again so that we could know him for eternity. This is the purpose why we exist. We don't exist for a job. We exist to know him. But then also we exist to know him purpose, to know him for now and eternity, but then also to be like him, to walk like him, to talk like him. And here's what I know about God. See, he wants us to belong. He wants us to feel like we belong in his family. He wants us to believe in him. And then he wants us to start having the heart. And this is what happens when we get close to God. We, become, we, be, we begin to desire to become like him. 
See, oftentimes, this is what religious, religious leaders did. They said, you need to become like God or like Christ before you can be in relationship with Christ. Christ said, no, that's not true. I want you to be in relationship with me. And then from that, I want you to walk with me. And here's what happens. When you walk with me, then you start to be like me. So the closer we get to Christ, the more like Christ we get, the more we love. It's those that we're not supposed to love or those that we don't feel like we need to love. We start to have joy in the seasons when no one else has joy. We start to find peace in the situations where we think everybody else should be depressed and, and have anxiety. We start to find peace. We start to find hope in the situations where there's hopeless and we don't know what's going to happen next. We start to find the hope. Why? Because it's a relationship with him. And through relationship with him, we begin to become more like him. This is the purpose of why we exist. And this is why Jesus came. And all of it, it, all of it ties together. Because he rose again, because of his resurrection, we can be in relationship with him. We can know him. We are reconciled with the Father. But then not only just reconcile with the Father here on earth, also for eternity. But then not only in eternity, also now we can begin to live out and walk out according to his purpose and his plan. The target changes from don't do, don't do, don't do. It's from being, I want to be close to him. And from being close to him, I want to become like him. Let us all. Live with the heart that says, less of me and more of you. Let this not just be a message we hear. Let this not just be a thought that we have. Let this not be just something we just say. Let it be our heart and our life that God, my life, when I walk out today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and every day after that, God, I want to live with the heart that says, less of me, less of my desires. Less of what I think, because of God, I know what I lead myself to is shame, is guilt, is condemnation, is pain, is hurt. I know that's where I lead. So God, I want you to take control. God, less of me and more of you. Let that be our hearts cry today. Let that be our life that we live. Oh my goodness, let it be a life that we live where we say, less of me, more of him. I believe this with all my heart, that if we would live this way, we would see God like never before in our lives. I encourage you, I challenge you. Let's be a people that live less of us and more of him. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? I